Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host, Robert Washburn, and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. There are lots of people and politicians who are quick to express their gratitude to essential workers. The nurses, doctors, grocery store staff, truckers, and some others quickly come to mind. But the cleaning staff, the line workers, those in distribution centers, or the roofers and electricians and plumbers, daycare staff, and other workers don't seem to get the same spotlight. In this interview with Dan Tobin, President of the Northumberland and District Labour Council, you will hear the concerns of those who represent working people. It is not just a debate about paid sick days. It is also a conversation about the good jobs some local employers are doing protecting their staff on the plant floor. It is also thoughts about fair pay, temporary bonuses, and what is being done to support marginalized workers like farmhands and migrant workers, and those on low income and women, many of whom have borne the brunt of the pandemic. Here is that conversation. I'm so pleased to have with me today Dan Tobin, President of the Northumberland Labour Council. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you, Robert. I have already spoken to people who have explained the day of mourning. What I want to know from you is, how is the Day of Mourning commemorated in Northumberland? Well, I mean, every year we usually we usually gather at, at Lucas Point Park, down by the industrial area of uh, area Coburg. And last year and this year, we have to do things a little bit differently because of the pandemic. So we're, we're doing a virtual this year on Zoom. How does that work? Oh, uh, I mean, I've sent out the link on our on our Facebook page and our Twitter page, and and do all the contacts to so that they can email their all their locals. And we last year we had about about sixty people show up on our Zoom, which was quite impressive for us. Can members of the public join in as well? Oh yes, oh yes, of course. Is this recorded and, and posted up later to people to watch? It's usually done live, and this year I'm going to see if I can I can record it. I'm not technologically advanced, so. So I guess it'll so, it'll be a bit of a crapshoot, will it? Yes. <laughs> yes, and we I just opened up a, up a YouTube channel, so I'm hoping if everything works well, I can record it while we're doing it, and then put it on on the YouTube later. Now, up until now, the Day of Mourning honors the loss of workers to injury or death. Yet this year, it seems very different with the pandemic. Now, from your perspective, how has the pandemic impacted the health and safety of workers in Northumberland? It actually, I mean, it, it, has, it has impacted the but health and safety as well as mental well-being of the, the employees quite a bit. Here's your theme is the the essential workers and those and those but who we've lost and those who are sick from the pandemic. Going to try and honor them. What are what are you doing especially for them then in this in the commemoration ceremony? We got different speakers, but I mean the 
is we want, but everybody ought to realize that this this uh, pandemic has played havoc on not only the, the employees but uh, but also the, the families. And but this year we have a, a candle that we're, we're going to light and have a have a moment of silence after all the speakers are finished. You mentioned you're honoring the the impact on the families and on essential workers. Can you tell us what in detail or maybe share some stories or examples yeah. of how the pandemic has impacted these workers? Yeah, I, I, I got one story. It's about a guy that works in a in a meat processing plant. It's hard. It's uh, it's he works about ten hours in freezing temperatures. Production line doesn't slow down for but anyone. But this guy's boss, he will provide the the, the protective equipment. But he's also telling the employee, you only get one face mask to use for the week. And you only get one one pair of gloves to your job per day. If they happen to rip, then it's on you to buy your own gloves. And Alex, he had a phone in sick one day, and his bosses required him him to get a doctor's note. And but as a result, Alex said, "Well, screw this. I'm going to. I'm coming into work." I'm sick, but I, I can't afford to take a time off. A doctor will, will not see me, but it takes about two or three weeks to get an appointment. He goes into work sick. I'll make a long story short, this guy contracted COVID-19. Because of, of the workplace being as, as it is, he came into work sick. And what we're saying is that if they, if they had paid sick days, he could have taken a couple of days off and to figure out, figure out what was wrong, but he didn't get that chance. I was interviewed after the fact, and he, he said, but I, would, I was afraid. My boss might do. People should not have to, have to be forced to between going into work or staying home while they're sick. And that's the whole idea behind this year's day of mourning is that we are advocating for paid sick days. At the federal level, they give us three paid sick days right now. And the pandemic, at the federal level, you get time off, but you have to get, you have to be off but almost a whole week before you can apply for that, that uh, pandemic pay. We are advocating for the, the provincial government to pass paid sick days. Can we go back for a second? I'd just like to talk a little bit more about the story, but I do want to talk about the sick days. Now, yep, no uh, the person you're describing, Alex, is he someone who lives and works in, in Northumberland? No. No, it's uh, out of Toronto. Okay, fair enough. Paid sick days that you're asking for. The provincial government uh, has now uh, uh, ended its session. They bo- they voted in the budget, and I believe the Liberal Party tried to bring in some legislation around sick days, and it, and it was not passed. How did you respond to the fact that the premier doesn't and the party doesn't seem to be listening to your concerns? We've counted, but how many bills that the conservative government is 
or was actually voted against. They voted against the paid sick days bills 25 times over the past year. NDPs putting forward, or even the Liberals putting forward, but 25 times the conservative government has voted it down. And what uh, Doug Ford was saying last week, that they're, that they're hinting at, at paid sick days, if they were honest, if they were but honest with themselves and, and wanted to actually but initiate paid sick days, they would have, why not commit to a barrier-free, accessible, paid sick days program as outlined in Bill 239, as was proposed by the NDP? Have you made any effort or tried to talk to uh, local MPP David Pacini about this? I've talked to him, well, but I've tried talking to him, but over the past year about about various things. He but refuses to, to but have a word with me at all. When the government first came to power three years ago, and they canceled the sick days that the Liberal government had had bought in. I had a meeting with Bettini then, asking him why he had, had canceled the sick days. And his words, 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 was that we are initiating and we're going to legislate that uh, nobody can lose their jobs if they, they phone in sick. And my question to him, him was, well, people cannot afford to phone in sick. People need to, if they phone in sick, they, they got to choose, okay then, what do I give up this month? My food or my rent? Or do I just go to work sick? And Bettini, I mean, he looked at me, he like a deer in headlights look. What do you mean? They can't understand that people cannot afford to phone in sick. Do you have any idea how many workers have died or become sick locally? Uh, locally, I don't have that number offhand, but we've, I believe that the last time I looked, there was uh, 112, I think, have died in this area. In, in, nor in what area? In Northumberland and in Aquartha. Oh, so you're talking about uh, the from the health unit statistics. You're right. Uh, I was more interested. I certainly acknowledge that number, and I was more interested though in the the number of workers. If if you've been tracking any of that, I've tried to get those numbers, but the, the, they're not releasing whether or not they were workers in this area, or or, or where they worked, or or what they were doing. So. I got numbers about the schools, if you want that. Sure. It was 34 positive cases that was spread across uh, two schools. Now, how many of those were students and how many were teachers? Numbers I got was 75% of those 34 cases were students. A quarter of them were teachers. Right. According to the numbers that you got. And where did you get those numbers from? It's from the president of the local teachers. Okay. So what are local labor groups doing in response to these issues? 
and what do they see that needs to be done? Government says the schools are safe, and yet we are, we're finding that one in five five schools is put in the province, and one in four schools in this area have a case of COVID-19. It had to close two schools before the spring break, and despite what the the government says on their on the promises of, of improved, on improved screening, and testing, and tracing, those working in the schools have been reported no change since the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, evidence, evidence but clearly shows government's approach to this pandemic is not working on schools. And in manufacturing, as you pointed out, we've had some, some cases in Metro, in Tim Hortons, and even a chemical has come down with some cases. And where I work, I work at Chemical Fuel, and we had an outbreak there. There when number three employees came down with COVID. And most of the, I mean, manufacturing people I've talked to are saying that they're their companies are going above and 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 beyond and in their cleaning, as well as they're trying to social distance during work, and even some companies are giving them employees a pay raise during the hardest time of this pandemic. Most of the manufacturing in this area screen their employees before coming in into work whether it's on a daily basis or but on a weekly basis and in retail i mean we're, we're finding the employees are having a their stress because they they want to take time off because of family obligations or because they don't have daycare or the fear that they're, they're catching the virus while they're at work employees are worried will they able lose your job if they are unable to find adequate adequate daycare or they, they refuse to put their kids in daycare. They're also worried, like the majority of the, the, of the province, of what happened certainly of, of schools after the spring break is over. Employees are extra breaks so that they can they can take their masks off and cool down because masks do make them a little bit hot. Uh, I'd like to know, have you tried to talk to the health unit about making uh, these uh, cases, these outbreaks at companies known to the public? Have you advocated for that? Because those numbers just tend to get rolled into the overall numbers. Yeah, I've, I haven't really tried, but that's a, that's a good suggestion. Uh, are labor groups doing anything for members who have become ill with COVID? And, and what sort of supports are are, are taking place locally uh, that are union initiated oh but right now i i mean i mean the labor council isn't doing anything specific for the people that come down with covid we're just advocating for paid sick days or for over better better treatment by the government it sounds to me though when you were describing uh the various things that the uh, local employers are doing that it, it, it's not really uh local employers that it, that seem to be uh, a focus it, they seem to be doing quite a bit to try and protect workers would you agree yep. with that oh i agree with that yes 
Yes, which we are, I mean, Labor Council actually is quite pleased with the employers taking the initiative to keep their employees safe. You mentioned the issue of fair pay, and it's been come into sharp focus as some essential workers have been given these temporary bonuses or pay increases for working during the pandemic. What What does this tell us about salaries and how they're structured and how fair pay works? It was nice when the retail sector bought it out, when the, and even chemical bought it out, out as well. But, uh, I mean, pandemic pay, it was nice. But the, the thing is, is that they, they ended that too soon. And we advocate for minimum wage being a lot higher than and $14 an hour, as it is right now. You got, uh, you got a household with two incomes. They're both making minimum wage. They both almost have to work two or three jobs to be able to make ends meet. And that pandemic pay did actually come in handy for these people that had to work two or three jobs. They could give up one job. They took it away too early. And there's and there's those that how did the employers can have give you, let's say, but a 10% raise, raise during a pandemic. They can do that after the pandemic is over. They were still making the profits. Dan, we've watched as white-collar workers can more easily work from the safety of their home compared to blue-collar workers who often need to be at a physical location to do their job. Has this contrast been made more stark by the pandemic? And what does that mean in terms of seeking fair treatment or equal treatment? It actually shows that white-collar workers are not needed as as much, but at the at the job sites, they can easily do their job at home. And do you really need three people or four people in their job of one? And whereas there's blue-collar workers like myself, but we have to go in into work every day and risk ourselves being outside, being caught up with the public. And yet we're not... We're not getting the equal treatment. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about what you do in your job and what does it feel like to have to go into work in a, during a pandemic and the challenges that you, you face in terms of your own health and safety? Yeah, but I'm a machine operator myself. I am. And my wife is, I mean, is an author from home, so she's used to working from home. But since I'm the one going out to work so i i decided i'm going to be the one who who will do all the running around getting groceries Uh, my wife can just stay home and stay healthy here at home i don't like risking myself to go out out in public but my job is at least at least safe and i can go in i can go into work and they are and my, my employer is actually there to try and keep me as safe as possible. So I'm, I'm lucky that way. The impact of the pandemic on the poor and racialized people and women has been very great. Let's talk about women. What has the union done to support women who have faced a lot of the brunt of the pandemic? With, you know, having, if they have jobs now, they've got to stay home with their yep. kids for remote learning, all these kinds of things. Uh, has the union done anything to give them support? Uh, the we. If they were working before this pandemic, per the union, 
I can't get into in, into specifics of the contracts, trucks, but they, from what I can understand, is that they they are trying to look after their employees while they're at home as well. And from what I found in this area alone, there is a seventy percent of the low-income earners is women. Uh, whether working at, at a grocery store, working at Tim Hortons, somewhere else. And what I've heard, there is a lot of stress on these single income earners, let's say women. Do I stay home? Because my kids are at home, I got to look after them. And they're, they're doing online, online schooling. There isn't much programs out there for women to actually stay home with their families is that you almost have to i mean they feel guilty if they, they stay home because they can't afford to stay home what about racialized people and minorities they're in the same boats i would i haven't heard much in this area but talking to other presidents of labor councils but and here but in the same boat or women are is that they feel guilty about going to work because their kids are at home or that they, they got to work two or three jobs as to make the make ends meet at home it's hard on the employees whether you're you're a woman or a minority is there any reason to believe anything will change coming out of this pandemic personal opinion i don't think so i mean it's conservative government in this province They've sold their true colors, but I believe, is, is that they don't seem to care about the people making the minimum wage or low-income earners. All that, all that they have a care about is, is pandering to their, their supporters and their and the 1% that makes up 150 grand a year or more. Do you see anything shifting from the public's attitude towards these concerns? I think the public is starting to realize what the government is is actually like. And I'm hoping that at next year's election, provincial election, the conservative government will help get a clear message that their way of governing isn't working anymore. And that the public will, whether you're a union supporter, these are working a mom and pop operation, is that they, they want their their government to support them and they're finding the conservative government isn't isn't supporting them what should we be watching for in the future are we going to see a rise in 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 unions and the union movement uh, because of the pandemic and the issues that are being brought to public attention i would love that but i mean right now i think the what you're going to see is more of the same I mean, the Conservative Party is going to try and say, but you don't need unions. But employers are already out there now. Uh, that's hiring. If hiring, but hired guns or to go out and discourage their, their employees from joining a union. And I'm hoping that it would be great if the employees would rise up and say, but we want to be heard. I want a union to fight for me, and I'm hoping that's what will happen, but if the conservative government keeps going the way they're going, 
it's going to be hard for unions to get their point across. Dan Tobin, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much, Robert, for the for your time. That was Dan Tobin, president of the Northumberland and District Labor Council. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.